Amen. Thank you, Rodney. Hey, it is so great to be with you. I'm so glad that you've joined us. Uh, listen, uh, invite your friends from around the world, across the nation. We had some 10,000 plus folks who uh, watched our, our stream last week or sometime through the week. So if you're catching us live right now, we're so glad. Let's do this together and let's spread the word. Uh, we're going to have a great time today. Uh, we continue to walk through this, uh, this crazy season together. Every day seems to change a little bit. But I want to do two things today. I want to encourage you. Uh, I want to talk about this cultural moment and how we can walk together through this time and trust the Lord through it all. But I also want then to shift a bit about halfway through our time together and we're going to dive into our series ongoing. How amazing is it that God would, uh, by his providence, lead us uh, some months ago to say, let's practice the way of Jesus through this season together. Don't forget, this is Easter season. We're walking with Jesus to the cross and uh, I want us to continue to do so. You've heard about our, our devos and, and all that's happening, our connect groups. I'm so encouraged. Our connect groups are meeting, gathering together, Zoom meetings, even this morning, a lot of you. So right now, gather the family around. Uh, if you're with family or maybe you're alone in your home, your apartment, wherever you may find yourself, uh, stay with us throughout this entire time together. We're going to have some more worship afterwards and then uh, some information uh, from different divisional ministers as well. So stay in. Now, you probably like us here at the church, maybe in your business. Um, you've been gathering uh, virtually. We had a Zoom call this week as we're going to continue to meet as a staff. And uh, at the beginning of this all staff Zoom call, I began the meeting with this, these famous words from Charles Dickens. It's from the tale of two cities. You may know it or middle schoolers, some of you high schoolers. It's a good time to read some classics. Maybe this is one of them, but it starts like this. You know, this maybe it's the, it was the best of times. He writes, it was the worst of times. Think about this in this cultural moment. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief. It was the epic of incredulity, or that is unbelief or the the unwillingness to believe. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the despair of winter. Now, you know, we're all living right now in these coexisting realities. We can choose uh, to, to go one way or the other. And if you're like me, you know, you probably have had a lot of emotions this past week and, and we're still unpacking some of those. I want to talk about that a bit today, but we are trusting in the Lord and we are not afraid. We've said it. We're not going to panic. We know that God is on his throne and Christ is still on his throne. We're worshiping him and we're praising him through these days, but we're going to choose the way of, of light, of hope, and we're going to choose the way of truth and we're going to continue to seek the Lord. And so during this time, uh, we're going to grow and we're going to learn in a lot of new ways because the Christian faith, you see, is all about uh, Christ walking with us. It's not, you know, when we come to Christ, here's the thing. It's not I receive Jesus and all will go well with me, right? It, it's I will receive, I receive Christ and he is enough regardless of what I go through in life and whatever comes my way that I did not anticipate. But this is a sobering time. And this week, I've been uh, 
on conference call, Zoom call with our mayor and different uh, other pastors. I was on uh, a couple of phone calls with Judge Jenkins this weekend. So we're getting direct information. I know you're hearing a lot on the news. We're getting direct information. We're monitoring the situation every day and we're, we're putting that news out on our website, all that you need. And I'm saying that because we can all just trust in the Lord as we walk together through this. But it is a challenging, challenging season. You know, I've heard a lot of people talk about the new normal. And if you're like me, you're kind of like, man, I hope this is not normal, right? I hope that we, we move past this. But here's the thing I want to talk about. Uh, we need to define reality a little bit today. So before we get into our, our, our passage for the day, I want to speak into um, this moment and how we can process this. Because if you're like me, again, I mean, every day things have changed. Every day the news is spinning. And on our staff, we are readjusting. Our job descriptions have changed. We're, we're doing everything different. But here's the, here's the truth. The future is already here. We're just in the margins. I mean, and what we're moving towards is a new era. I really believe this. Uh, I don't know that we'll ever quite get back to normal or at least for some time to come. But we're going to continue uh, to gather together, even though our gatherings are limited, we're going to continue to gather in worship. And let me just say this, your church family is more important to you now than it ever has been. And so I want us to continue to focus together as a church and invite others to join us. Many of you are here watching. Maybe you don't go to church regularly. We want you to come and join us as we walk through this time together because we all need each other. We are making some tough decisions in these days. Continue to pray for us as our staff and all of us, our ministry leaders, our lay leaders. We're praying for you. All of our connect group leaders, continue. Let's stay together as we walk through this time. We talk often about this, that, that our message never changes. The gospel never changes. Our methods, however, change constantly. The church has always thrived and survived and prevailed in times like this. Because here's the thing, constraints and limitations uh, really drive innovation. And so what we're seeing now is we've got to shift to new ways, but the church has always done that. You know, when you think of church history, you think of how the church has survived two millennia. God's people have survived long, uh, long before that. And the church has survived through world wars, through pandemics, through financial crises. And our church over more than 80 years has survived those kinds of things. And we're going to continue not just to survive, but to thrive as we move forward. Because I want us all to remember, when you come to the end of your rope, Jesus is the beginning of our hope and he will prevail through it all as we trust in him. When, when we come to the point where we can't do anything, we turn to God and we watch him do what only he can do. And so we praise him through this time. You know, I say it often, it's possible, watch this, it's possible to go to church every week, but not follow Jesus every day. You see, right now, our, 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 our faith is being challenged. The way we do church is being challenged. But here's the thing. Our intimacy, our fellowship with the Lord is, is, is being revealed right now. If we have, have thought that church is really, or being a believer is going to church, did my thing, now I'm out. I can't wait till next week. Well, we're going to continue to gather like this. But right now, for many of us, uh, what it means really to be defined, what it means to, to be a Christian is being challenged right now. 
Are you following him every day? Are you walking with him every single day? Let's encourage each other. Because at the center of our faith is not our gatherings. It's Christ. And we pursue him every day. Now, we miss gathering together. I, I miss everyone. And let me tell you, I cannot wait until, think about that, the first day when we're back together. We don't know if we're going to gather on Easter Sunday. But I can tell you this, every Sunday is Easter. And, and, and today is Resurrection Sunday. And when we gather together that first time, I'm just going to proclaim it now. It's going to be Easter Sunday. It's going to be Resurrection Sunday. That's why we worship on Sundays, right? But the one we follow is calling us out and he's calling us to himself. So friends, in the midst of this anxiety, this worry and the challenges that we're facing, listen to the words of Jesus again. And let's do this, all, all of you together, children, uh, young people, everybody there. Let's read this together. You can see it there on the screen. The words of Jesus. Let's read it together. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, we're all processing a lot of emotions right now, fear, anxiety, even depression. These are challenging days. Now that we're isolated, we kind of turn inward onto ourselves. I just want to keep challenging our parents to be a non-anxious presence in these days. That's your role to pursue the Lord in your own life. But I want to talk for a moment before we shift to our passage today. I want to talk about how to process the storm. Last week, we talked about Jesus calming the storm. Now, we, we may not be able to calm the storm ourselves, but we can walk through it and hang on to him as we go through this time. Christ will allow us to prevail in these days. I want to talk about three things real quick at the beginning of this message here together. I want to talk about grief. I want to talk about vision. And I want to talk about hope. Because right now, it's a time for us to turn to the Lord because our lives have changed in so many ways. I think we're not going to get back to a new normal in, or to a normal in a lot of uh, many days, perhaps. But I want to bring hope to you today. Because the truth is, uh, it's a time to rethink so many things. As I've noted, Andy Crouch, uh, author, writer, he wrote this. Uh, the creative potential for hope and vision is unparalleled right now. But paradoxically, this creativity will only be fully available to us if we also make space for grief and lament. And here's what I mean. A lot of us, I think, and I've talked to a lot of parents and, and children and folks on our staff. And, you know, a lot of us kind of think, hey, this is like snow days. I think we've been feeling that way. Uh, just kind of snow day. Everybody hunkered down. Uh, we're making each other look crazy. But, you know, um, everything's going to go back to normal real soon. But here's the thing. This is not a snow day. Uh, I, I could say, you know, we're going through a blizzard. Uh, instead, um, you know, we're, we're walking through a season right now. And though spring is coming, praise God, spring is coming here in Dallas. Uh, we're going to walk through, I think, uh, a bit of winter as we move forward. But see, God can take the very worst that can come our way and he turns it for our good. He makes all things new and he is working even now. So I want you to think with me about a well-known passage, all right? So everybody listen to this. Kids, young people, teenagers, every one of us. Romans 8, 28, you know it well. Let's read this together. 
Let's, let's proclaim it together before the Lord. For we know that we, that though, sorry, for those who love God, all things work together for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, if we stop there, that feels rather cavalier, doesn't it? It's kind of like, uh, hey, God's got this, no big deal. You know, que sera, sera, whatever it will be, will be, uh, we're just going to survive. That's not faith. That's not biblical faith. That's, that's fatalism is what that is. Faith speaks into the fact that God has a purpose in all things. Even that verse says there's a purpose, but watch this. It doesn't say that all things that happen to us are good. It says that all things, in all things, God works together in all things for our good. So we don't, we're not saying this is all good. Everything's fine because we're all responding to this in different ways. But this verse speaks to purpose. And look at this. Here's what we often do. We pull this verse out of, out of context. And again, it becomes rather flippant. But look at verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, those he knew ahead of time, he predestined, watch this, to be conformed into the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now watch this. God works in all things together for our good and for his purpose in our lives. This is so important to understand. What is his purpose? If we're following Jesus, his purpose is to conform us into his image. This is so much of what we've been talking about in these days. This is our purpose, friends, regardless of what comes in life, to be conformed into the image of Jesus. So hang on to that in these days. And then this verse goes on. What shall we say to these things? These things that are happening in our lives. If God is for us, who shall be against us? There's going to be a victory on the other side of this because, and in the midst of it, because we know how this story ends. God is the one who is victorious. The verse goes, the passage goes on. Who's going to separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus? You may know this passage. Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, watch this, famine, a, a pandemic, a virus, danger, sword, nothing, even death itself cannot separate us from the love of God that we have in Christ. So listen, as we experience this social distancing, we're not going to be distanced from God. But here's what can happen. We can distance ourselves from God. And if you're feeling distant from him right now, I, I, I could challenge you. Guess who moved? God continues to pursue us and seek our, our, our fellowship with him. You know, we all, if you've received Christ, you have a relationship with him, right? It's like my son, Travis. I, I called Travis yesterday or my daughters. I will always be their father. That's the relationship. But here's what can happen. Fellowship, relationship and fellowship with someone can be distanced. In other words, you may not have a good fellowship or relationship with someone. The relationship doesn't change, but the fellowship can change. And this can happen even in this time because here's what happens. Here's what I see in a lot of believers' lives. We're all good feeling like, man, God, I love you. You're the best. Uh, I'm, I'm walking with you every day. But then what happens? We walk through difficult times. We walk through a season like this and we're challenged. And then we start to feel that we're distanced from God. I wonder how many of us, uh, how many of us, when we started to see this really unraveling, we started to see schools closing down. We started to see this coronavirus hit. We started to see this, all the changes that are coming, forced quarantines upon us. We have, we have lost much and many are right now grieving 
through this time. We've got to recognize it as grief, call it what it is, but know that grief has a process. There's a beginning, there's a middle, and there's an end. But I wonder how many have saw this coming. And when the reality started to hit us, I wonder how many of you, uh, you know, when it came, we said, wow, you know what? God is up to something great right now. This is amazing. He's going to do a great work in my life, in my family, in my work, and, and in, in the lives of those I love. I doubt many of us responded that way. But listen, don't miss this. If you believe Romans 8, that is exactly the response. God is up to something great because we know that Christ is on his throne and he is at work in my life. And you might say, well, Jeff, that's, that's kind of radical. Listen, what is the Christian life if it's not radical? Because my hope is in Christ. This is why I do not fear. I'm watching him work in my life, in our church, and in, in our world right now in incredible ways. I'm praying for revival in our church, in our city, and in our nation. Because our hope is not found in our comfort. Our Christian life is not about uh, you know, having a secure bank account or having all comforts that we need as we move into the future. The purpose, the joy of my life and your life is to be conformed into the image of Christ. If that is our purpose, and it is, come on, Lord, bring it on whatever you want to do to conform me into the image of Jesus, my Savior. So as we share his word together, we fellowship with him and through this social distancing, we're not distancing from him. We're focusing our hearts on him. We're, we're encouraging each other. And I want to tell you, your church family, more important than it's ever been. So let's stay together in this time and remember that Christ is on his throne. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to shift gears in, in a brief time remaining. And I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 1. So grab a Bible there. Uh, and, and, and turn to 1 John. I want everybody to do this. 1 John chapter 1. I'm going to walk through just verses 5 through 7. So while you're turning there, I want to note this is the Apostle John. This is the beloved Apostle. Uh, and, and he says here early on, before he gets to our main passage here, he says, hey, we've seen him. We've touched him. Uh, he has, he, he, he's been manifested. And he calls, him, he calls him light. He's going to talk about walking in the light, that Jesus has come to us. And here's what I want to talk about today. In, in uh, bring some sense of normalcy as we continue to walk with Jesus and practice the way of Jesus. We're going to talk about confession today. You're going to see how important this is even in this moment right now. Confession basically means to agree with God. But I want you to see here uh, today, I think it's going to be some great teaching, some help for each of us as we look at, at, at uh, confession in three dimensions. I want you to see this. Confession is three-dimensional. See, so many people think that confession is just one way. It's just one dimension. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm good. I feel better about myself. I, shared, I, I just agree with you that I've sinned. I'm off. And we wonder why we're never transformed, why we continue to enter into uh, sin, habitual sin and patterns of sin, and we are not transformed, conformed into the image of Christ. So look at this. Here's what I want you to do. And kids, watch this. Children, let's all remember this. The three dimensions are this. Confession is inward. Everybody do this. Inward, okay, to the heart. All right, confession is upward. It's up to God, all right? We, we bring our, he alone can forgive our sin, right? But it's outward, all right? So do that again. It's in, it, it's up, and it's out. It's inward, upward, and it's outward, 
All right, so I want to hear y'all, see you doing that throughout the week. And children, young people, let's follow along. Let's practice it. And when we pray, you can even do that in, up, and out. Watch this, verse five. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, all things start with God. But I want you to see what John is telling us here. He's saying that it's really possible uh, to, to, to miss this piece. The first dimension, okay, is, is this. It's inward. The first step really is to take a hard look inward. John's showing us here that it's easy to lie to ourselves. You know, some of you, you may watch The Voice or, or uh, the American Idol. You know, I remember when American Idol was first this big hit on television way back in the day. Um, I remember they all, and they probably still do this, they put somebody up on stage that cannot sing at all. And part of it is, is comical. I mean, it's kind of funny. But I would always think, man, nobody's ever told them they cannot sing at all. And I'm thinking, are they living alone? Do they not have people who will speak honestly into their lives? They just listen to the grandma. You know, who are they listening to? These people can't sing. And here's why. Uh, it's because we all have blind spots, right? We all have what I call the, the American idol syndrome. It's possible that we think, man, I, I'm, I'm doing well. And we do this in our spiritual lives. You see, confession means that I've got to come to grips with reality about the truth about me. And this is the hardest part, I think, of confession. It's why many of us don't practice a normal life of confession. I've said it recently. Mental health, spiritual health means that I come to grips with the truth about me at all costs. Whatever it takes. In the Emotionally uh, Healthy Leader, his book, The Emotional Healthy Leader, Peter Scazzaro, he writes this. You may have Jesus in your heart but you've got grandpa in your bones. Ha, what he's saying is this. You can love Jesus with all you've got, but we all have things that we need to unpack. We have sin, uh, sin, sin from our past, maybe patterns that we've entered into. We have generational sin. We have unresolved trauma. All of us do if you've lived long enough. We have loss. Some of us are experiencing trauma and grief right now. Grief always is a part of loss. And we're shaped by these things. Over time, we need to process and we'll all process in different ways. But I want to tell a little story here real quick. Out of Genesis chapter uh, 32, verse 27, God asked Jacob, he says this, he asked Jacob, hey, what's your name? Now, God knows his name. But what you might know is that back in the day, back in this time, your name revealed your character. Your name was who you were. It described who you are. And so for God to say, hey, Jacob, what's your name? It was, a, it was an act of confession. And for, for Jacob, that was not a good thing because his name meant manipulator, liar, a deceiver. So God's coming to him and say, hey, Jacob, what's your name? Who are you? And Jacob would have to say, um, I'm liar. That's who I am. I'm a liar. Now, I don't know about you, but I would not want to be named for my worst character, flaw, or trait did I have? I mean, think about it. And this is where it comes down to be very personal for us. And I want you to think about this today. Even now, let the Spirit speak in your heart. You know, for some of us, um, hey, what's your name? What, 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 is, what is your name? Uh, I'm greedy. Uh, I'm greedy. 
That, that's who I am. I'm, I'm gossip. Hey, what's your name? I'm bitter. That's who I am. I'm bitter about this whole thing. Uh, what's your name? Really, get underneath it. I'm angry. That's what I am. I had so many plans. Uh, I'm, I'm uncontrollable tempered. That's what I am. Uh, I'm, I'm lustful. I'm, I'm self-centered. You see, here's what we need to understand. You will never change, never be conformed to the image of God, into the image of Christ, practice the way of Jesus, unless you stop pretending and you come before God with your stuff, right? So let's take this time to spend some time in meditation, seeking the Lord. Lord, show me, show me who I really am. Uh, because now we need to be honest with each other in close proximity. Um, how about this? I am, I've been pretending and I'm not happy. That's, that's who I am right now. I am sad. And children, listen, it's okay to be sad. I think all emotions are allowed right now if expressed in the right way. Let's grieve corporately together. Let, let's grieve as a nation. Now, we don't, you don't just share all your junk to everybody. There's appropriate places to do that. But the Bible says, examine yourselves first. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. So we look inward, but we cannot stay there. That's not confession. Confession, take a hard look inward. But look at this. Look at verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness, from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So we need light is what we need. This is the second dimension of confession. Look at this. It's upward, all right? Inward, upward. God is light and, and, and we don't find light without coming to him. Look at verse nine. This is a verse you might know. Let's read this together. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him uh, a liar and his word is not in us. So God tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every person has sinned. There's not one that's righteous, not one, God alone can forgive our sin. So we must come to him to receive his grace. See, the point of confession ultimately is repentance. It's life change. It's being conformed into his image, but we've got to come to him. So we go inward. We go upward to him. That's the piece most of us understand. But watch this. Here's the catalytic piece of, this, of, this three, of the three dimensions. The next one is this. It's outward. It's outward. Because confession is relational. It's interesting that Richard Foster in his book, The Celebration of Disciplines, he puts confession under the corporate disciplines. Not personal disciplines, but the corporate disciplines. I want you to get that in your head. This is the catalyst for change. We don't go simply go into a closet and say, Lord, I'm sorry for what I did. I'm good, feeling better about myself. I'm out. Thank you for your grace and your forgiveness. That never leads to life change. What we must do is confess our sin to others and not just those that we have, have hurt. We can confess our sin to those who love us best. Look at what it says back in verse seven. He says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Interesting. He doesn't say we have fellowship with God. Now we do. 
We, have, we come back to fellowship with God, but he says we have fellowship again with one another. So look at uh, James chapter 5, verse 16. You can see it there. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working, as it was working within us. Now listen, friends, many of us, we just keep going back to regular patterns and back to old sins because we don't come into, we don't understand. Confession is corporate. It's relational. And now in these days, whoever's closest to you, maybe a phone call, maybe a husband or wife, maybe you siblings, maybe, how about parents to children? We've got to realize that it's time for us to say, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm guessing we're going to rub each other along the way. I mean, we already have perhaps even this week, but we've got to understand that, that, that confession has three dimensions. And so now to close, I want to be real practical here. Look at this. The three con- uh, steps of confession are this right here. Examine your heart. Now, can you write these things down? Examine your heart. Again, look inward. All right. Name your sin. Look at, look at Psalm 51. That'd be a great one to look at. David is expressing his sin before the Lord. Name your sin. Okay. Be specific. This is so important. You know, God doesn't, doesn't just uh, forgive sin in the abstract. He doesn't just forgive general sins. He, 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 he died. Christ died on the cross for specific sins in our lives. Be specific in your confession. Real sins that we've committed before him and before others. Be specific in your sin and your confession to others. Grieve before God is the next step. So inward, outward, and grieve before him. See, see confession has, a, has an element of sorrow. When's the last time? Let me ask you. When's the last time you said to God, I'm sorry? That's what confession is. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Let me ask you this. When's the last time that you said, I'm sorry to someone in your family? Someone in relationship with you. Because you know that you have have hurt them in the ways that you've spoken. Let's make that a practice this week. And throughout this time of such close proximity, let's practice that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let that be said from our, our, our siblings to friends, our parents to kids, kids to parents. And then finally, repent of your sin. Confession leads to repentance. A lot of people think repentance, that's a bad word. Repent, like the guy on the street corner, repent. The end of the world is coming. And we think that's like a dirty word. That's a bad word. Repentance is a great word. It means to change your mind. It's me. It means to do a mental U-turn. It's a 180. I'm going to think differently about this. I'm not going to enter into that sin anymore. I'm making up my mind that I'll have a no tolerance rule when it comes to sin. So watch this. Confession is like spiritual breathing. This is the life of the believer. When we practice the way of Jesus, now he didn't have to confess anything to the Lord. He lived a perfect life on our behalf. But as we sin, we continue to, to breathe out our sin before the Lord. We breathe in his grace. So in verse nine, let's read it together. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession, friends, listen, is the pathway to joy. Confession is the pathway to joy because every time we confess our sins, we're reminded we have a Savior who's gone to the cross for us and he has forgiven us and we can receive his grace. But listen, I want to challenge you as we close our time here in just a moment, just in prayer. If you don't know the Lord Jesus, 
You're still under the judgment of God. You've got to receive his grace. What he's done on the cross, believe that he took your sin upon the cross. Once and for all, your sins have been forgiven. And so you can receive his grace even now. So as I enter into now a time of prayer, I I want you to join me. I want each of us now to turn our hearts to the Lord and I want you to pray with me. So would you bow your heads with me right where you are? Uh, You don't need to look at the screen or anybody else right now. Just come before him and I want you to think about your life. Allow the Holy Spirit to take his searchlight, examine your heart and confess your sin to him. Enter into practice today. Find yourself alone. Just confess your sin to the Lord. It takes time for the Spirit to work like that in your heart. Let him work in your heart and even now. And friend, if you don't know Jesus right now or you wonder, what is God doing in my life right now with all that's unknown? I want you to just give your heart to him right now. Say, Lord, come into my heart. There's forgiveness found only in you. I give you my life. I praise you that you died on the cross for my sin. And I give you my heart. I live for you. It's the only right response. I confess my sin to you. And I give my heart to you. Thank you for completely forgiving me. I'm fully accepted by you. I now live in this pattern of confession, breathing out my sin before you, breathing in the grace that you've given me. And Lord, we thank you now in Christ. All is well because of Jesus. And it's your name that we pray. Amen and amen.